All right, today I'm here with Christopher Burris Hockepple, the founding member of Burris. Um, Burris is a band out of New Orleans, which features Christopher as its main member and has a rotating cast of collaborators. So I think I'd want to start off first just by hearing a little bit more about some of your uh, history as a musician. How did you first get started in music and how did you first get started under Burris uh, performing under that name? Yeah, um, I love this question because it's fun to talk about how my family is full of musicians. Um, both my parents were band directors. My mom was actually my middle school band director and my dad is the director of bands at the local university here. So always was stuck in a musical environment. You know, we were listening to classical music, jazz music, big bands like Blood, Sweat and Tears in Chicago. Um, and it's just kind of something that's always bound the family together. My uh, brothers and sisters are all in music as well, band directors, musical theater people. So not that I was forced into it, but I, <laughs> I gladly took the reins, you know, and, and uh, I, I went to school and studied French horn, um, played classical French horn and did music education at LSU. And at LSU is where I met all the guys that I decided to form the Project Burris with. Um, we were kind of all in the big jazz band together. I was playing guitar and we all sort of just had same similar ideas. You know, I wanted this guy was so good at playing saxophone solos and big band and the drummer, he and I were just really locking in and it evolved over time. And that was like 2014. And then uh, in, in a 2014, we were called the Burris Band because Burris is my middle name. And, and I always knew that the songs would be centered around what I was writing, the skeleton of my music, and then adding the guys that I was, was working with at LSU were just kind of putting together all this extra sound. So Burris ended up being the, the, the center of it, and then the music sort of just expanded with everybody else added in. So with that, um, so you mentioned that you met all of the other members at LSU. Um, so with all of you and with your music, who have your biggest influences been um, are there any major artists? I know you mentioned Chicago and Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Um, are there are they influences of yours? Uh, are there any other influences? They are. Was? Yeah, I, like I think I always, even in high school, sought after that sound. If I knew I wanted to be in a band, I was looking for that big sound with a horn section and funk grooves and you know guitar solos and and all that. Um, but still chasing sort of the classical and jazz side too. Like if you listen to Chicago or Blood, Sweat and Tears, they'll break into 20 minutes of swing music. <laughs> and I always really liked that. So they, they were always an influence, a driving force for me. I also really like Dave Matthews Band, something I have always looked up to is him as a songwriter and his ability to use his musicians as well. And then of course, I can't speak for the other guys, but I know that many of them loved listening to Pink Floyd growing up. Um, so we've bonded over that. We've we've even we've covered some Pink Floyd. We've covered lots of Beatles music. A lot of them um, are really into jazz as well. You know, I mean, even some of the famous people like John Coltrane, but more more out there like Charles Mingus or Thelonious Monk. Um, and then we're all just I don't we're geeks, you know. So we're constantly changing who we listen to more and more. Me and my drummer last night actually were hanging out here at my house, and we sat down and we listened to. Um, a, a Rachmaninoff symphony <laughs> all the way through while we watched the Saints game and then we uh, listened to The Doors for like the whole live album of The Doors and then moved over to some uh, some folk music like some Gillian Welch and Wilco at the end of the day so it's all over the place sometimes. <laughs> um, if you had to pick one artist to say had the biggest impact 
on your music. Um, who do you think that would be? Uh, I think Dave Matthews still. I, I mean, when I was in high school is when I really started getting into his music and I started to want to perform like him, like in live shows, you know, I would start to embody him and say the things he would say and seek that sound that he had and that performance the the everybody loves the live performances for Dave Matthews. And so Burris became known as a live performance band, right? We would, we would really kind of change our songs to fit the, the mold of whatever we were doing live. So right now, yeah, Dave Matthews, but again, that changes too. Um, I'm super influenced by this guy named Jamie Cullum. He's a British jazz singer songwriter as well and i just love the way that he collaborates with other people and the uh, covers that he does on youtube he's really creative and a great musician seems like a good guy so him as well um, and then with your band now uh i understand that it's you and a rotating cast of collaborators now i'm kind of curious um how how does the band's chemistry kind of work with that rotating cast um because i take it that that means that not everyone is kind of featured in songs or it's kind of like people, uh, some of these members kind of jump in at different points or um, can you explain us a little bit more of that kind of like rotating cast? Sure. Um, I think the biggest part of that, the biggest reason is because a lot of the guys that I play with are professional musicians. So if Burris isn't doing a whole lot, say I'm doing a spending a couple months writing, then they've got to make money in other places, right? They have to play with other people because that's their well-being, that's their lifestyle. So they'll often go on the road. Our drummer went on the road with Samantha Fish for a couple of years. Um, you know, our, our saxophone player went on the road with some other bands as well. And so they, they'll leave and they come back. And so I have to find a sub and then that sub becomes a part of the band and then they contribute their sound to some of the music that we make. So by rotating cast, I mean that we have a core group for sure, but every once in a while we'll get one guy will will bail <laughs> and then someone will take his place and it'll change a little bit. And then another guy will have to leave and someone will take his place and will change. And then I love bringing in guests, you know, I, depending on who's in the city in New Orleans, um, I have some dear friends of mine that will sing harmonies and we'll write together. And so that becomes another entity, another part. Uh, so it, I think the good thing about Burris is that we're able to mold and we're able to change. We can play as a trio. We can play, I can play by myself. We can play as a six piece group. So no matter who's playing with me, as long as we've spent the time rehearsing and working out that, that chemistry and in, in our songs together, then it works, you know, and we can still sell it as Burris and it still sounds great. And you mentioned how each one of these members kind of brings a little bit of their own sound in. Um, so how do you think that kind of has changed the sound? Uh, how's that, how do you describe kind of the effect that has on the band over the years? Yeah, um, to me, it's overwhelming. I don't know that maybe the live, if we're doing it live, if the audience would notice, but we'll take one song and if we got a new drummer, I mean, the drummer's leading the way, right? So this song is like a rocking song, but then our, a, a different drummer might play it with more of an R&B groove. And then that song totally changes. And, and, and I think we all know it. And so we're all welcome to it. If it still sounds good say, yeah, let's do that. Let's take that groove. So for sure, the feel, the groove of certain songs have changed depending on who's in it. Um, if we've got like a, this, there's this really great guitar player that's featured on the album. His name is Shadi Kanzen. He lives in Lafayette, but when we play a show kind of down the I-10 stretch in Lafayette or Houston or something, he'll come with us and 
all of a sudden we're full-fledged rocking out you know we got two guitars and he can take a killer solo so that that, that changes the sound now it's a heavier sound ah nice um so just out of curiosity do you have like so i take it you'd have like kind of the original song then and then it can go in a bunch of different directions yeah that's exactly right um typically when writing unless i'm doing a co-write intentionally with someone um then it'll just be me right and i'll be in my room and sit down and write the song sometimes i'll write with the intention of like uh this is going to sound really good for the horn section or this is going to sound really good with like a drum and bass you know uh medley coming in here so uh, i'll write with that intention of the guys in the band but but like you said a lot of the times it's sort of the skeleton it's it's my acoustic version of this song that can be played by myself but then when we add it when we orchestrate it in rehearsal or at a live show or for the album, it totally, it changes. And, and I like that Burris is able to capture that sound live as well in all different circumstances. So with your album that's coming out soon over you, so what's your creative process been like writing this album? And um, has it been the same as your typical creative process? Uh, is it a little different this time around since it's your sophomore album? Um, kind of what's that process been through, been like? It's been a long process. It's been four years in the making, I'd say. And, and actually the first, we dropped the first half uh, just a few days ago. So first half of the album is out. Second half is going to be coming out in, in February. Um, but what, what instigated the album for the most part, I didn't know it at the time, but what instigated the album, as cliche as it sounds, was a breakup. It was a, a <laughs> the first like real major heartbreak for me. One of the, you know, deepest, saddest moments of my life. And right after that breakup, I, I moved to New York and did an internship up there. And so I started just kind of feeling the emotions. I was really angry at first, and then I was sad, and then I was confused. And then I moved to New Orleans, and I was happy and, you know, partying and having fun. So every time I felt one of those states over the course of a month, I'd, I'd, a song would come from it. Um, and a couple, about a year later, I ended up having 10, 11, 12 good songs and decided, you know, let's really like polish this off and try and make something out of it. And I think like as I started compiling the songs that were going to be the ones that were on the album with my producer, um, it sort of became clear like, hey, this is obviously a breakup album. <laughs> this is reminiscent of all the things that you've done in the past three years and trying to get over this person who broke your heart. Um, so because of that, uh, I think that's where like we figured out the song order. Okay, let's tell the story of, of here's how you feel at the initial breakup. And then here's the, the whirlwind of emotions that might follow. You know, you do the black slide and then you find somebody new and then you get confused and then you get sad again and then you drink yourself to death. Like all those things sort of is, is what I'm trying to tell because most of them came from a, a true place, you know. And you just mentioned this. Um, now, the album is being released in two parts. Uh, as you said, one just came out and the other part is coming out in February. Now, um, why choose to release it in two parts? Um, what uh, kind of inspired you to split, uh, break it, split it into two? There is two main reasons, a marketing reason and an artistic reason for me. The, the marketing reason was because of COVID it made sense now uh, to stretch things out as much as possible because there's no real live shows aside from playing in people's backyards or just doing live streams. You know, I don't have a whole lot. So having a bunch of content to just release over the period of the next half a year seemed like a smart idea. And then artistically, it makes sense to me because 
the first half of the album, I, I tried to compile five songs that were like initially what you feel within the first year of trying to get over someone. And then the next five songs released later are what you might start to feel later. Those more complex emotions of like, you know, maybe I'll never get over this person or uh, I'm over them, but they still hold a place in my heart. You know, they're still there. Like, so it, it makes sense artistically for me to have released those. Interesting. Um, now when it comes to the first and second half of the album, um, now, of course, the second half won't be released for another few months. Um, but which one was for you more, um, which one for you was inter- more interesting to work on? Did you have a preference of which you wanted to kind of work on? Was there either one that kind of was more challenging for you or that came easier to you? Um, when it comes to these two, do you feel like there's any kind of a difference in writing them that you had? Well, some of them were written around the same time, right? And then decided like every once in a while you just get this serendipitous moment where you're like, oh man, it makes sense for these songs to be together even though they were created at at, at the same time or something like that. Um, So it's hard to answer that question, but but I would say the first half of the album sort of makes more sense to, to me like it's a it's a easier it was easier to write those songs for sure because i felt really passionately about those things um and they were just like simple emotions to to put down on paper and uh and it, and it also was a lot of fun to, that that half of the album is like i think a little bit more ruckus whereas the second half is a little more singer songwriter oriented a little more acoustic um and and like i said a, a little bit more complex too lyrically so um but yeah. Um, which of these songs do you think was either your favorite or uh, your most um, most meaningful to work on? On the on the first half, it would be the single. Uh, the single is "Who I'm Thinking Of," and it's the ballad of the of the album for sure. And uh, I, it was a funny song. The story of it is that like I had just started to try to date somebody new. And I called up a friend of mine who is in the band too. And we had been through similar relationship issues and breakups. And, and he told me, wait, before you get happy dating this person, write one more sad song. And I was like, okay. So I, I thought that that was funny at first, you know, ha ha ha, write one more sad song. But then it's like, I ended up actually writing <laughs> these emotions that I really felt where I was still hung up on this one person that broke my heart while still trying to date another person as terrible as that sounds and make, you know, makes me feel like it's true. And and I think we've all been there. And so every time I sing that song now, I I think about that moment and and it's real and, and I, and I love performing it. It's got great harmonies on it too. So when I'm singing it with someone, we're really getting that, that energy and the harmonies are locking in and kind of becomes this like blank slate moment on stage or performing wherever we are, where like no one else matters. It's, it's just us singing this, really lovely heartbroken love song here so and then for the second half of the album now while it's still not out are there any that you um want listeners to look out for yeah so the i'll i'll give you two the single is gonna be a song called willow which is gonna be another uh folk americana sounding song um it's beautifully written. It was, it was, I actually stole the hook from a homeless man walking down the street on New Orleans. So it's got a nice story too. But my personal favorite is Good For Gone, 
which is like, I've been just in this emo state lately. I've been really reliving my emo days in eighth grade and <laughs> pulling up bands like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and Good Charlotte and stuff. And this song has, is in drop D and it's really rocking out. And <laughs> I, I just like it. As a band, I think we have the most fun playing that one live. And so, yeah, that, it's Good For Gone is the name of that track. It'll be fun. Very nice. And you just kind of mentioned uh, playing live. And a little earlier, you mentioned that part of the reason you decided to release the album in two is uh, due to COVID. Now, um, under the pandemic, how has that kind of changed how you've worked, um, either when it comes to songwriting or performing? I understand that you've been doing live streams recently. Uh, you got another one coming up on the 13th of December. Um, and you also have in the past done house concerts. Um, now, uh, what what's kind of changed uh, and what are you planning to kind of keep doing uh, from this point on out? Yeah, um, I, I intend to keep doing the live streams. I think one of the benefits of COVID happening was that almost every independent artist, if they wanted to continue playing, had to like beef up their home studio so that they could put on some nice live streams. So I've got all the equipment. I'm definitely intend to keep doing that. They're not going to be super consistent, but here and there, you know, as it makes sense. Um, and then I've been doing front yard concerts too, as addition, in addition to backyard concerts. If somebody wants to have me in their backyard play, I'll do that for however long, you know, but the front yard concerts are fun because it's more troubadour style. We'll, we'll, we'll walk around. I'll get two or three of my other singer songwriter friends in New Orleans and just go to someone's front yard, play them a little tune on their porch and then walk on over to the next house and do that. That's been fun. Um, it's, it's been an interesting situation just having to be more creative in how to get music out there in this like digital age now that we're in. Um, and it's, it daunt, it's daunting for sure. You don't want to be a puddle in an ocean of digital music. So figuring out how to be unique in that is, is hard, but I've also been enjoying just like having more time to myself. I'm not like spending every Saturday preparing for a gig. I, I get to, I get to work on some demos that I've been wanting to change up. You know, I get to just, sit down and practice things that I would have never practiced before. Some old folk songs or Irish folk songs. Like I really, I've really just been having a good time kind of exploring new things too. So. And then for the future of Burris, now moving beyond the current, um, beyond this new album over you, um, beyond kind of the pandemic once uh, it ends, hopefully. Um, do you have any plans for the future of Burris? Is there anything that you've been wanting to do with Burris? Is there anything that you uh, have been aspiring to do or is there anything you are planning out for the band sure short term as soon as we can we're going to get on the road and promote the album and uh it's it's unclear as to what that's going to look like yet if it's going to be a full band thing or if it makes more sense for it to be maybe just me and one other member um but yeah as soon as we can do that we'll do that i've always wanted to and have been kind of talking to some people in europe to do a solo trip out there and just find places that are stages and hostels and play some, some shows along all up and down any country that'll have me. Um, and then in addition to that, I, I'll let you know a little secret. We're going to be releasing a single after we release Over You Part 2. And that single is going to have some sounds that are going to be the direction, I think, of what Burris is going to be releasing over the next couple of over the next release cycle, you know, so it'll be, it's a little bit more acoustic, a little more stripped down, a little bit more political, a little less about my own personal relationships. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, uh, political in what way? Uh, <laughs> political in a way that is about 
people just loving each other. I guess, you know, there just seems like there's so much polarization right now in, in everything and in, in politics and the media and whatever we're reading. Um, so I, I feel very passionately about, you know, immigrants being able to be here in a safe way and, and, and everybody being treated equally and there being equality amongst races and just people understanding that, you know, we're people first before we are anything else, before we're a Republican or a Democrat. So I'd like to maybe take some time to, and I have been as well. I mean, of course, how could you not in this, in 2020 right now, thinking about that, writing about it more, journaling about it more, and hopefully I can take those ideas and sort of turn them into some songs and, and have a nice record out of that. Very nice. Um, so that comes to the end of my questions uh, right now. But um, just uh, while we have this time, uh, while we're talking, is there anything you would want to say to 1190s audience? Is there anything you'd want to say to our listeners or anyone out there? Is there any kind of a last note you'd like to leave them on? Sure. Um, I would say just find your favorite local artist and support them. You know, even if it's not Burris, whatever, if it's somebody in Boulder, if it's anybody like that, like show your support. Even if you know the musician, text them, tell them, hey, keep going because this is a tough time. We, you know, we're not able to play live. We're not able to do what we want to do. And and so if we just need support, if you if you see a live stream from one of your favorite bands, tip them. It's easy, you know, send them five, ten dollars. It's it's good. I, I know that every time I, I get a tip from doing a live stream, I see that name of that person and, and it and then, then I go thank them because it's a nice connection to have. So that's what I would say. Just support your local artists. All right, Chris, thank you for uh, talking with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.